Welcome into another edition of the Gig'em 24-7 Sports Podcast. I am Andrew Hattersley, joined by Brian Peroni. The start of the season is just over a week away, but we're going to talk a little recruiting on this edition of the podcast, and for good reason, because Texas A&M landed another big target over the weekend. Four-star Clear Springs offensive tackle Blake Ivey, a win over LSU and Texas. Brian, uh, you were there for the commitment, which I know... For those that don't know, it's Brian has snapped his streak of commitments, and we're now on a really good run right now. So you were there. Uh, reactions to this to this commitment and um, another big piece along the offensive line. Yeah, man, people still freak out about me <laughs> about me being there. But I mean, it's literally been probably a decade since I've been somewhere like where an A and M target yeah. was announcing and they announced elsewhere but you know whatever uh you know you and i talked we had a pretty good feeling it was going to be a and m but yeah we didn't know for sure going in so i was yeah. a little hesitant to even say i was there until you know after he announced um you know because i know i wouldn't be allowed to go anywhere else uh showing <laughs> up that day you know just having a chance to talk to some of the coaches around there they didn't even know and i mean i yeah. i know it's it's easy for them to say that but I mean, Blake's, Blake didn't tell A&M. You know, Adazio texted him after the, annou- the announcement. He didn't tell A&M, didn't tell LSU or Texas uh, where he was going, didn't tell his own coach. He said only his family knew. And, any, you know, mo- as much as any recruit in re- recent memory, he, he managed to keep that that close to the vest for sure. So, you know, you and I had been hearing, you know, that A&M was thought to be the front runner. And, you know, just sort of – you you know, I tell people, I was like, what we do is – sort of put puzzle pieces together. We get information yeah. from here and here and here and here and different places. And you and I sort of have to sort that out and see what it is. And it really seemed like it was going to be A&M, but you know, just, it, I mean, it could have been LSU and it wouldn't have been the biggest shock in the world. So, so that all that to say, it was a big get a really big get for A&M and um, you know, Adazio texting Blake right after he announced. I mean, I think that just shows how much they wanted him and needed him. No doubt. And I think it, to your point, right? Like he didn't do many interviews um i think he did one he did one at the under armor yeah under armor camp in dallas in like february and i think that was it yeah it was like just that one and then kept a really really tight circle but i think one of the things when he talked to you afterwards kind of matched up with what i had kind of heard earlier in the week of listen this is going to be a real battle and the confidence from lsu was coming just they felt like they had been given kind of indication signs that he was heading their way and, and felt really good about it. And, but it was one of those recruitments that was kind of back and forth. I know Blake Ivy told you he didn't make his decision until the night before. Yeah. Um, yeah he said he was uh, leaning to A&M, but, but became yeah. sure the night before. And it's, it's one of those recruitments. You kind of started to feel like, man, A&M felt really good in June, felt really good in the early par- portion of July. And the longer it kind of dragged out, you were kind of thinking, okay, is this, you know, is LSU kind of squeaking back into the fold, but uh, ended up going to both schools at the end of July. And I think that was huge for AM to get him back on campus after he went to LSU for their pool party and to get that kind of that one last word in with him. But talking to people, one of the things that in such a close recruitment was, you know, proximity to home. It's an hour's drive and you know his family would be able to get to see him a lot easier than they would baton rouge and i think that proximity to home ended up being kind of one of those things that that nudged AM just ever so slightly over the finish line and in a really close race and um really good work by steve adazio and yeah. and louis adazio and everybody involved jimbo fisher 
Um, and you look at just the recruiting wins that they've had this cycle, especially along the offensive line, Weston Davis, Cohen Eccles, Blake Ivy, a lot of those have been with LSU also in the mix. Yeah. And I think that that kind of makes this, this this even bigger. And when you look at Ivy specifically, six foot three and a half, just under six four, but seven foot one wingspan mm-hmm. gives him probably the versatility to kind of play maybe guard, maybe tackle. Where do you kind of see maybe his best fit being? You know, I've always thought tackle. I mean, yeah, he's yeah. six three and a half, but I mean, even if you look at some of these NFL guys, you know, the NFL is getting away from that. You know, you have to be six six as long as you have the length. Yeah. You know, in the arms, you know, to hold the hold the defense lineman off, and as long as you have the footwork, and I think he does. So I think he's a tackle. His coach mentioned him possibly starting at guard, you know, starting out at guard. I think it's a little easier to make that transition to all of a sudden, you know, going from high school to blocking, you know, edge rushers in the SEC, you know, at, at the tackle position. But I think he's a tackle long term. But uh, but I mean, pretty versatile guy. He's real strong, you know, real athletic. He has a, he has a chance to add a ton of good weight. I mean, he's 285 or so now and has plenty of room to fill out so yeah just a really versatile guy and you're seeing that with uh with a few of the the offensive linemen in the class you know Cohen Eccles is a high school tackle it's expected to play center um you know Papa Fua could play probably interior but could play tackle with the way he's lost the weight I mean really you know all those guys uh you know Ashton Funk is is a tackle and Wesson Davis probably tackle but Davis is another guy not the you know He's taller than, than than we thought he was, but not necessarily the six 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 seven guy, but really just some some maulers there that'll get physical. Yeah, and that's what I kind of like about this this class is because you look at it right, like Ruben Ruben Fathery's now a junior. Trey Zoon's gonna be a junior, or he's gonna be a. I think he's gonna be a in his third year, but I might have redshirted it. Third year sophomore. You look at that, and and this was a really important cycle to land some tackles and kind of build for the future because uh, behind them, you've got Chase Pisantis now getting first team reps at, at tackle. You've got Demetrius crown over, you've got Colton Thomason there. Uh, but, but you kind of needed to hit on a couple tackles in this class yeah. to really feel good about the numbers and the depth moving forward. And to land three guys in funk Davis and, uh, and Blake Ivy that can all play tackle kind of, really sets that room up a lot better moving forward. Um, and then you've got some versatility. Like we mentioned, you've got a guy like Blake Ivy. Can he play guard? Can he play tackle? You've got, you've got potentially, you know, Cohen Eccles. Can he play a couple different spots? They've just built a lot of versatility in this room. And, you know, with, with this class that they put together, the other thing I think that, you know, where, where do you think this line class? Cause for me, it, it, it ranks right up there with that Ruben Fathery, Bruce, Bryce Foster, offensive line cycle but where do you think this kind of group if they they all end up signing obviously where do you think this room kind of stacks up in terms of rooms when since Jimbo Fisher got here oh since Jimbo Fisher I think yeah I think it's it's probably the best one so who else was in there with the fathery class I'm trying to wasn't it Aki and Smart Chibuzo yeah 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 so so I mean you know Aki was a was a big a a really big get there um you know over when he when he switched back from Georgia but uh but yeah, I think uh, yeah, this class is probably the best I've seen since the one that I had you know in 2010. I think with uh, Jokel and Jake Matthews and Cedric Aboye, he you know three guys who ended up being first round yeah. picks. So when you have three guys like that in the class, um, uh, that one was probably a little a little higher ranked than this. But this is a good 
really good class. And, you know, we've talked about A&M needing those, those pure tackles and yeah, Ivy isn't, you know, when I say he's not a pure tackle, I mean, that means he can play other things, but I think he can excel for sure at tackle. And, you know, Funk is a, a likely right tackle, you know, big kid out there. Weston Davis really athletic with his basketball background. So, yeah, I mean, they're, they're, they've got those things. I mean, because you've got a guy like Colton Thomason on campus who played mainly guard in high school, and he's playing tackle. Now, Chase Basantis, yeah. who everybody thought would be guard playing tackle. Obviously, Basantis is doing well. But, you know, you know, in an ideal world, you'd like to have a choice of where to put him and not, you know, have to have him at tackle. So, right. yeah, if you get these guys on campus and they can step up, then then you got a lot of versatility, and it's going gonna, it's gonna to help out a ton. No doubt. And guys that are, are really physical maulers, and, and there doesn't – you know, there just there doesn't strike me as like one of those. You know, you've got kind of those long term projects. It doesn't feel like you've got any of those really in this yeah. class. Obviously, you've got to develop them, um, but they all really have a chance to to pan out. And I think that's that's a credit to Steve Adazio and Louis Adazio. And we talked about it. They kind of work in a different way. They kind of work a little quieter, maybe under the scene. And and but they've put together a really good class. And um, and credit to them for that. And I know. You know, everybody always asks, "What's next? What's 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 next?" We had a thread the next morning. What's next? Yeah, like, yeah. People get, getting greedy. They can't help jumping into what number six overall and having. Yep, no number six, and right in that top. And Tennessee jumped a And M on Monday night, oh, no. getting Jordan Ross, so number seven, but it's percentage points at this at this juncture. And so, you know, the question is, what's next? And and for a And M, you've obviously got some more big announcements coming up. Uh, Nigel Smith has his decision date set in. September that one feels like it's going to be a battle between A&M and, and OU um, you know Ohio State and Penn State are also in the mix there but you know OU's had kind of the buzz there for for quite a while but I think A&M is, has really done a, a nice job getting him back on campus for the pool party um, was a big deal answered a lot of the questions that he had and, and he's he's been to A&M a ton so I would be careful about ruling out A&M at this point I know you know, there's a lot of confidence on the Oklahoma side, but that's one. Xavier Atkins is another one. Uh, Terry Bussey Terry has Bussie. a decision date. Yeah, yeah, people has, are waiting on that Terry Bussey one. That's they've they've kind of been waiting. It feels like on the Blake Ivy Terry Bussey one yeah. for for quite a while. And Terry Bussey has his decision date set, I believe, for September 28th. Um, and so you know, a, he's going to get, and that one's still, you know, AM's still got to finish that one out. He's going to get to. LSU and Alabama before, but LSU is going to try and make a another, um, another LSU battle. You know, A&M withstood it with Weston Davis and Blake Ivy. So they're hoping to again. And I think they would love to try to get Terry Bussey back on campus for a game potentially in the fall, but where do you kind of see the setting up A&M as you kind of look towards some more important decisions to come? So really the two guys who you and I, I think I have predictions for and, you know, think a and going to land as Terry Bussey and Xavier Atkins. So yeah. that puts him at 22. There's no cap anymore of 25. So, you know, as long as there's yeah. room, I don't think a and is going to run off or we'll, we'll not see as many transfers this year as they did last year, but they also more seniors. But I would expect around 25 or 26 guys in the class. So I think really you add, uh, you know, you if you add those two, Xavier Atkins and Terry Bussey, and then you sort of take, you know, you, you need a running back. You go find a running back. Then you go full bore after, you know, trying to land Nigel Smith or uh, Aiden Breland, you know, one of those uh, one of those elite uh, defensive linemen. And then just, you know, from there, just sort of go best available, best guy that you can find, yeah. you know, whether it be a, another receiver. You know, you've got, uh, wing, you know, Ryan Wingo still looking at you, you know, guys like that, Micah Hudson, or, you know, a DB or whatever, you know, whoever you can, you can possibly get in the fold. 
I think they're chasing after the big guys now. Obviously, Dominic McKinley's got his decision set for early September. I don't know that A&M would, would necessarily no, be the leader right there. Uh, you know, that's that's one that's probably trending elsewhere. But, and, you know, David Stone, I know everybody asks about him. I don't I don't see A&M lining up with him. With I, I see Oklahoma there as well. And so, uh, you know, there's some, there's some guys. Kobe Black's another guy they're going to yeah. continue to yeah. chase after. But they're really going to go big game hunting for these last – five or so spots and and really try to add some elite players at the end of the cycle and that's really the guys that are are left are, are some of these elite elite targets and um you know they could look to maybe add along the defensive line um depending on but they have a really deep room there so yeah. we'll see who they kind of end up landing up with but right now in the inside to follow this for sure inside the top 10 and have a good chance at at continuing to kind of push further in and and potentially if the season goes you know goes well this is this class has potentially a top five potential um we'll see how it all shakes out again thanks to everybody for for joining us on this edition of the podcast we will be back for sure to look ahead to the beginning of the season which will be here before you know it so be sure to subscribe to the youtube channel hit that like button um and stay locked in over at gigum 24 7 for all the latest I've uh, got a ton of content coming out from Falk Camp. So enjoy the week, everybody, and we'll see you guys soon.